Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, another day of work under the sun. It was hot. It was competitive. The pads were on, and they were popping. We'll do the practice notes, and we'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and a bunch of the guys on the team, Rob Hunt, Durham Smythe, Elijah Campbell, Jerome Baker, and Alec Ingold from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. I wanted to start today's podcast with some sound from Coach McDaniel, who met with us on Tuesday, Monday morning. I keep forgetting what day it is. Uh, because we got about 20 minutes with Coach, and he gave us all kinds of good content, as he is wont to do. And I wanted to start here as he broke down some of the thought behind his practice structures. And what a day it was with this script. Almost all team drills gave us plenty to chew on here as we you know, evaluate this practice as best we can without having really any inside knowledge of, of what we're watching out there in terms of how things get put together. Uh, more on all that in a moment, but let's go ahead and hear from Coach and how they decipher the reps in a given practice. So in terms of the structure of practice, um, it won't always be that, that way, but you know, you have the starting quarterback and those who are working with the starters that day. And then you kind of split the rest of the team to two different groups. Well, not all positions have two different groups, so there's overlap in reps between those two groups. So we sandwich the ones or the starting quarterback and who's working with them that day um, in between so that because – it. From an athletic performance standpoint, um, from an injury prevention standpoint, and just a competitive standpoint, it's not quite fair to, um, you know, depending on where we're at um, in our progression as we get ramp up to get ready for games, it's not fair for a guy to be um, judged on his sixth rep consecutively out of seven against guys that have four four in a row so it's overall for the team health you'll do that so that um, guys don't have um, excessive reps that accumulate it won't always be the case um, there's sometimes that uh, depending on how the periods are structured that you you, you want the um, starting quarterback out there to, um, to set the tone um, but when we do that it's for um, that splitting up of reps And next here from Coach McDaniel, ever wonder why it's three days off, or three days on rather, then one day off? Well, here's why from the head coach. With the uh, initial, um, really with the um, CBA-derived off days um, that we do believe in, um, you know, during the season, you never practice more than three days in a row. And you're practicing three days in a row then you get um, your Saturday before the game where you get a little rest and then you perform um, on Sunday. So we kind of, mo- you, you, you try to make things as game-like, or, um, you try to model everything after, you know, what you're going to be doing all year. So um, it doesn't really make any sense to practice four days in a row um, once or twice early in the season when you're ne- never playing four days in a row. 
We also got pads today for the first time, which means offensive line versus defensive line pass rush. One of my favorite drills here. And I want to go back to Rob Hunt, who I talked to about this, who I thought had a really good period in the uh, one-on-one pass rush drills. Here is Robert Hunt on what he thinks about those drills. D-line, man. They might love it. It's, it's, it's a defensive line drill, man. It's, it's, it's a defensive line drill. Um, but, you know, we just got to hold on and, you know, do what we do. It, it, it's a lot harder for offensive linemen to win right there in that setting, O-line versus D-line. It's a lot harder for O-line to win. But if you can win there, you can win throughout the game, throughout the practice. You know what I mean? Is that because of the space that you guys have to operate in? Yeah, it's, it's a space. It's, I just feel like it's a... We know what it is. We know what it is. They 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 going straight for you. I mean, you just got to try to do what you can do. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was me telling him I thought you did a pretty good job on Christian Wilkins today. And he said thank you. I appreciate that. Pretty uh pretty hilarious. But his commentary there was really in general. But all things told, I thought the offensive line had some really good work in that drill. Let's go ahead and start with the practice notes on the offensive line because you know where else would you start on the first day of padded practice? The reason I asked Rob was watching him rep after rep, just completely stonewall his man. And it wasn't like we had to look up the names to find out who he was going up against. I had him with back-to-back stand-up and the rep type of work on Christian Wilkins, who's been unblockable all camp long. And then a third on Zach Sealer, who you guys know how strong he is and how much he can take advantage of the extra leverage you can create in those open space pass rush drills. All things told, I don't think he surrendered even a single pressure in a drill where the defensive line is obviously at an advantage, as you heard there from him. Real quick, let's go ahead and hear from Alec Ingold on the play of the Dolphins' right guard. He's a big nasty, man. Yeah, I mean, he loves physicality. He loves playing ball. He loves uh, moving his feet, running. He's athletic as all get out. I mean, you see that from a couple years ago. Uh, that Ravens catch that he had. So being athletic, fast, physical, and wanting to play football, I think all those things added up. I think that makes a good football player. I did not know he was big nasty. And also I asked him about that, and he said, never been called that in my life. So we'll find out about that more. Um, I thought Dan Feeney was also very, very good. He had some good work on Sealer and Raekwon, two guys who were really tough to stop in this drill in particular. So did Alame Ulavale. At one point, Kyle leaned over and said, man, has 62 gotten beaten yet? I'm thinking, I, I don't think he has. Those are some pretty good pass sets there. Raekwon Davis on Connor Williams is always a fun matchup because they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And I think this is the one where you really see the advantage for the defensive line in this drill because it's not going to go Connor Williams' way in those drills for the most part because somebody with Raekwon's length, he can just create tons of space and then take advantage of the length and the, the reach he has over you know pretty much anybody out there and utilize the swim, the arm over, things that really emphasize creating and exploiting leverage. I thought it was the second day in a row of some pretty good offensive line play, which is you know a testament to bouncing back to what happened on Friday. But again, context of those practices and, and the play script, like it's it's not a results-based type of thing. So when you come out here for practice, don't think about, you know quarterback throwing interceptions or player getting whatever the case may be it's not about results in these periods it's about trying to grow and and find out what you are as a football team and just essentially make the entire roster better with these practices so uh you know I again thought pretty good for the offensive line I thought Hunt carried over the individual drills into team I thought Liam Eichenberg had one of his best days I've seen out here and that's not just lip service about a guy that you know we we really want to excel in that way in terms of 
you know, getting this offensive line solidified. But he was rock solid in the one-on-ones and then was also getting good push in the running game, which has been a pretty consistent theme for him so far in this camp. I had a couple of runs, explosives, and chunks that were sprung in part by Eichenberg blocks, and the pressures from the defense largely came out on the perimeter today. More on on that in a moment. I liked the day of uh, Jerron Christian today, both one-on-one and team. I thought Isaiah Wynn had some really good work, particularly in the team drills as well. And again, I thought the outside was where the pass rush came down, especially with uh, 73 Austin Jackson and 70 Kendall Lamb up against Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. You know, a theme is developing, or I guess it has already become a theme, where it just doesn't really seem to matter who's matched up on Jalen or, you know, Chubb. They're going to find their way into the backfield and against both the run and the pass. We'll see when T-Stead gets back out there, which by the way, he was out there today, active off PUP, no team period, but was taking part in some of the individual drills, which is obviously a great thing to see. But back to two and 15, I think one area where we stood to improve a little bit from last season was run defense around the outside. And it looks to me like it's almost a point of emphasis for the defense and those guys that they have been so dang good at really inserting themselves off the edge in the running game by shocking that kick out block or the seal block that tries to widen them and create uh, space in that B or C gap out wide and then working back inside of that once they've set the edge to try to follow the back and make that lane even tighter for them to cut back into. Both guys have been relatively unblockable. I, I almost get rid of the word relatively like they have been as pass rushers particularly Bradley Chubb. Gosh, he has been sharp. He looks completely healthy and ready to go. Quick, powerful, explosive, and he's such a big dude, but the way he kind of bends and gets the lean down around the edge, he's going to be tough for some of those bigger, you know, not so fleet of foot tackles to handle this off this coming season. I know he was here for half the season last year, but getting him in for the entire offseason program, getting him on a defense that has already you know, he's already intimately familiar with the scheme. This guy's one of my picks to click in a way that's even better than what we saw a year ago. And between he and Phillips, like, I asked Kyle, what would you set the over-under for sacks with these two guys combined? He said 24, and I said, I'm taking the over on that, man. I think those guys could both push into the teens for sacks this season. I continue to be very, very impressed by the work of Andrew Van Ginkle. Let's go ahead and go back to Coach here real quick, who had some Guys, he pointed out who he thinks took a good jump from OTA to training camp because I asked him, you know, last year he talked about uh, going, you know, Waddle taking that big jump from OTAs to training camp. Who are some guys this year? And he gave me a really, you know, as he is wont to do, a very interesting answer that ultimately did give me three names, but he talked about how that's not necessarily something that's similar this year given year two in the system or in the program, well, I should say. This, I think, I think the uh, byproduct of being here um, a second year, uh, I, I think there is a lot more consistency with people knew what to expect in OTAs. So their best foot forward, um, you know, was uh, what, what the expectation was. Um, so it, I don't see as much um, distinction between OTAs and training camp, and, uh, specifically with individuals. What I do see is people more so than last year um, utilized uh, last year's training, or or utilized last uh, off or the off season's training, um, and built upon that um, in training camp, which is something that you kind of you kind of always worried about. Um, and you know, there's there's certain guys. Um, you know, we spoke about uh, Van Ginkel's versatility. Well, um, he's utilized what he learned in OTAs and. 
um, has uh, been able to do some really cool stuff in training camp. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of def- defensive players that are are developing um, at a really cool rate and really flourishing within the system. I, you know, I, I see young guys going after it like uh, you know, like a Cam Good, um, who uh, you know is trying to get on the field as best he can. Um, you know, guys that have had some roles that they they want expanded, like a Elijah Campbell. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, just because uh, I see guys getting coached um, uh, in at a high level and guys wanting to be coached and guys responding to it. Really, really good stuff there. And, and Gink is just making an impact in all three phases of that linebacker position, which I feel like is sort of hitting the crescendo of where he's really been progressing in all those areas so far in his career. Like he's playing tight to the point of attack in those kind of off ball, pick your gaps and, and go shoot and find the running back type of plays. We, we know what he can do finding space and coverage in the curl flat, his pass rush. We know about that. It's all been very impressive and he looks bigger and stronger. I, I saw him signing autographs with the fans today. His arms never looked that big to me. So I'm uh, pretty excited about what Van Ginkle does for your edge depth and your special teams work this season and also some off ball work as well. I want to touch on those linebackers as well as Elijah Campbell more. Let's go ahead and finish up on the lines before we take our first break with these last two Christian Wilkins, it's rinse repeat here, had a couple of plays in team where he just tore through the offensive line, but you already knew that. And then Brandon Peely had a really nice run stuff early on in team where he knocked the running back down. And that doesn't go over very well, but he did have a nice play there. Just got to keep your guys upright. All right, let's go ahead and come back on the other side and finish up the defense, get the quarterbacks and the rest of the offense. And here's some more sound. All that next Draft Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. I want to go back to the front seven and talk about David Long Jr. as we start the second segment of this Monday, July 31st edition of the Drive Time Podcast, who, for my money, is in the running for the best camp of anybody out here so far. Five days in, he made another handful of plays today, including a rep right at the end of practice where he greeted the back at the line of scrimmage, just dropped the shoulder and, and, you know, didn't wrap up and and do the whole, you know, contact thing. But there was a good little pop there as I think it was Devon A-Chain also dropped his shoulder in. But you see Long peel off the play and kind of go to a section where only he is kind of surrounded by grass and lets out the celebratory scream in a way that says like, yeah, I did that shit. And we could all hear that scream at the top of the bleachers and probably over in Broward County as well. Let's go ahead and hear from Jerome Baker on his new teammate at linebacker, David Long. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're kind of super similar. Um, He's fast. I'm fast. He's strong. I'm strong. Um, We kind of just feed off each other. You know, when I'm feeling sluggish, he's up and ready. When he's feeling sluggish, I got his back. So it's kind of one of those things of kind of mesh real well. Yeah, I think it's looking pretty good for those two guys out there. Back in the secondary, I continue to be pretty impressed by what we're seeing with Elijah Campbell, who's taken on multiple roles in the past. He's played special teams. You heard Coach talk about his versatility uh, in that previous Q&A with Coach. He's had good ball production the last couple of days. I actually omitted his production from Sunday's practice. He was really, really dang good with some PBUs, and I felt bad about that because I tweeted about it and then forgot to put it in the podcast. But I had a good chat with Elijah. Let's go ahead and play that back and forth with Dolphin safety Elijah Campbell. Oh, I feel a lot better. Better. I mean, obviously, a new scheme coming in, you know, you got it's starting from ground zero. So as of last year, I was throughout the season kind of getting the hang of the last uh, scheme that we were running. So this year, um, obviously, it started slow in OTAs, but we, they kind of front loaded it. So then coming back out into training camp, we kind of had a 
broad picture of what we are going to do. And uh, we basically were able to pick up from where we left off. So I think it just, I, I pretty much studied a lot during the off season, you know, our six week break and uh, to make sure I was prepared coming in for training camp. He mentioned your versatility. How challenging is it to learn rules among multiple different positions where you kind of bounce around and play so many spots? I mean, once you, I feel like uh, it's a benefit, obviously, the more positions you, you know, then you know what your, your partners are doing and who you're working with. So. And finishing up in the secondary, Holland had a very nice pass breakup. Pretty much every day that's happening. This one on Jalen Waddle from Skylar Thompson. I thought X had one of his best days, really disrupting the timing of routes and the relationship between the wide receivers and quarterbacks. It's kind of fitting that X is having his best work when the pads come on because he is such a physical, imposing player. Speaking of best days, my goodness, rookie Cam Smith continues to flash. I think I had three more PBUs for him today, at least two. You guys saw the one where he ran across the field on that over route and the receiver you know, balls a little bit behind and it welcomes Cam Smith back into the frame. I think a perfectly located ball on there on that throw from Skyler would have equated to a completion, but it, it wasn't uh, a perfect ball. But he just got on his horse and showed you the athletic ability to make the diving pass break up and that length continues to show up and it, it just, you can see why he was a top 51 pick. But I, I liked his first pass breakup even better because he drove on this pass where he's you know, squatting in a zone and, and kind of keying the quarterback and sees a running back come out of the concept and, and play in front of him. And he anticipates it in a way that puts him in position to kind of read it before the quarterback even saw it. And that's this defense, right? Squat, process, key the quarterback, key their eyes, anticipate based off the route concept, and then find the football. The only thing he didn't do on that play after he jumped in front of the route and, you know, put himself in position for the pick was he didn't finish it. But I know that based off his college tape, he does plenty of that. I thought Deshaun Elliott had a very nice day. I tried to watch the way he and Javon rotate back there and move together and kind of disguise. And there's lots of that, obviously. We know about that from the Vic Fangio defense. But I just think their chemistry is growing and they're doing a really good job of disguising what they do back there. We've broken down lots of sacks and one of the integral ingredients of the recipe of good is good coverage. And We've been getting that from all the guys, and a lot of that is that kind of top shelf of the defense back there with Javon and Deshaun Elliott and coverage. Finally, Justin Bethel had a really nice pick on a similar play that we saw with Cam Smith in the PBU where he undercut the route, but instead of not making the catch, he did pick off Mike White. And that's the defense. Uh, I think we can go ahead and spin this forward now to the offense, Sands offensive line, which we already talked about. We've been putting this off for a minute now. We're about, what, 20 minutes into the podcast? 15? I don't know. Something like that. Uh, not talking quarterbacks. Let's go ahead and do that right now. I thought Tua's timing was excellent today, which is something I feel like I can really, you know, that I think can take this offense to another level if they just dialed that in even an extra 1%. Not to say it wasn't sharp last year, obviously, but on day five, to see it coming together this quickly, that's pretty early in the process, and you have to believe that only grows from here. There was a couple of throws where he had to rip a shot from the far hash over one defender and under another with the receiver coming on that same override, that deep crosser where he's filling a vacancy. And, you know, two is letting this thing fly when the receiver's like on the middle hash and the timing of it sinking up in that the turkey hole, the honey hole, whatever you call it, it's there. They're just not quite t uh, dialed in to make it a completion. Otherwise, you know, the in-breaking stuff, the down-the-field stuff, that stuff has all been dialed pretty well. So I I don't worry about those misses. I think they'll get that buttoned up. But seeing them take those shots and seeing Tua's arm strength to fire the ball into those, spot, those spaces, it requires anticipation. It requires zip. I, I think you have to really spin the throw to get it to kind of nosedive. You know, like the middle part of the throw where the, the hump starts to go back down, the trajectory of the football, like you see these throws kind of hit that hump and then they – 
they just nosedive into the receiver after that. That's a lot of spin, lots of spiral, and he's ripping those throws pretty easily. He was ripping the catch rock throws where it's, you know, timing, rhythm, get the ball out of your hand. He got off a spot away from pressure, and a couple of times they were sacks, a couple of times they were not, and he found spots in the displaced defense. One, a 15-yard air yard shot on the move across his body to Eric Azukama that I thought was really impressive. I don't think it was as good as it was yesterday, but I think when you look at four of the five days, I think we've seen the same version of Tua that we saw last year, and he was just carving up the league, been carving up the defense out here four of the five days so far. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach, who talked about Tua's offseason training and how the jiu-jitsu and all the strength training he did is going to benefit him this coming season. It kind of makes me happy that I can't can't really give credit to one person's idea um, because it was – you know, I think the culture around here, um, uh, as it best can, is about getting to the right answer, not whose answer it was. But I really can't remember for the life of me. I know that um, it was an idea that we all uh, came together um, and spoke about and approached to a, um, with, and and he immediately was, yeah, I'll check it out, and then got um, great feedback. Um, because of, you know, the, you know, with, uh, coach Poloka and, and Kyle Johnston and how they, um, you know, vetted whoever, um, the master of jujitsu would be, um, th- the, those parties did all of their homework, um, really tracked every single health related issue that he's, that he's had from falling and concretely attacked, um, the problem. So I, I, I think it, it was really cool um, from an organizational standpoint and from Tua's standpoint. Um, and I feel great about uh, the re- results. We don't, we've only had um, uh, one time in camp so far in live action that it was in OTAs actually. In OTAs, he, he got, I think he got stepped on and he fell down backwards and completed a backwards somersault. It's pretty sweet. Let's do another one here with Alec Ingold on Tua's off-season training and being around the quarterback for what he's been doing the whole off-season. Here's the Dolphins fullback on the Dolphins quarterback. While we're on the topic of physicality and putting pads on, I wanted to ask actually about about Tua. Mm. Looks like you put on a little bit of extra muscle. Yeah. Somebody who's just around him all the time. Like, what have you noticed differently about him physically? Um. Physically, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. We, we spent a lot of time weight room together, on the field, on the golf course, everything. So um, being able to be around that guy as much as possible in the offseason, you can tell um, a full year of being a pro helps everybody. And the way that he's taken that next step, just embodying everything, his demeanor, uh, everything, I think, uh, it definitely pays off. So whenever you see, oh, he's bulking up or everyone's talking about he's throwing or this what it looks like, that's what it looks like, just know it's intentional, man. The dude's working his tail off. And I think that's, as a football player, as a teammate, that's what you love is seeing guys that care about each other. You want to be accountable, and that dude's accountable as, as anybody. He's, he's a foxhole dude. Let's do two bits here from Alec Engel before our last break. First, about getting more comfortable in year two of the offense for him and not being in that red jersey as a part of the passing game, which I've been talking about. I think this guy really adds things to your offense that just not many other teams have because of his ability in the passing game. Here's the Dolphins fullback, Alec Ingle. Yeah, I mean, anytime you don't have to start with a red jersey on probably helps during training camp. So uh, having a full OTAs with these guys, learning the offense a little bit more, like the rules are the same, but the details get so much more complex. So you really want to own that stuff, uh, put yourself in good positions to make plays. So I'm trying to do as much as I can for sure. 
That's a good spot for the last break right there. We'll go ahead and come back on the other side, talk about the rest of the skill guys and some additional media. All that next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back here for the final segment, wrapping up the month of July. We've hit August. That means football coming up later this week. I think the Jets are playing in the Hall of Fame game. Who are they playing? I don't know. Don't really care. Probably won't watch it. Dolphins coming up with a game next Saturday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Or is it Atlanta Falcons? Man, I'm lost. Oh, it's the Falcons. That's joint practices next week. Let's go, baby. So back to the skill, guys. I thought a handful of skill players really stood out in this practice. Let's go ahead and start with tight end Eric Saubert, who's making some catches and I think continues to show you what he can do as a blocker, which is something we've kind of wondered about this offseason, the tight end position and how they might find themselves involved in the offense. He's putting together a streak of consecutive days where he's climbing up to the second level, attaching onto a linebacker or safety and making a key block that springs a runner. I've been wanting to talk about this guy, and today he gave me a great reason to. Tight end Elijah Higgins made an awesome catch up the sideline working on Ethan Bonner where he gets a step. The ball was not underthrown, but it did allow Bonner to get back into the play and Higgins just high points it spins back and and as he comes to the ground you know with a 180 spin hits the ground and takes off from more yards like he is super athletic also had some good surge in the running game that produced a chunk play I thought today so really keeping an eye on Elijah Higgins going forward and his growth we keep talking about the response for this offense and what they can do to kind of combat what the Niners and Chargers did in those games last year I think you look at how you can stress the perimeter and get teams out of that inside leverage we saw those teams really you know, focus on to take away the middle of the field passing game that was so dangerous. I think guys like Higgins and Eric Azukama can really help you in that way. You can throw your sticks, your curls, your speed outs to put pressure on the defense in the short outside passing game. But then from there, you can take another level and, you know, the stress that Tyreek and, and Waddle put on the roof of the defense to really back that shell off. Then if the second level wants to play up to, you know, give them more guard against the running game or short passing game, you've got the speed now among running backs and receivers and tight ends with whether it's EE, Higgins, Mostert, A-Chain, where they can give you chances for one-on-one explosives against a linebacker, you know, who's mismatched, like a Landon Roberts, for instance, not going to run very well with, with a Raheem Mostert or a Devon A-Chain or even an Eric Azucama. So I like the opportunity there this offense has to expand off what they did last year with more secondary weapons beyond Tyreek and Jalen and the speed they all offer. I mentioned Ezukama continue to really come away impressed from what I've seen from him. The way he moves and transitions from pass catcher into route runner is is like immediate. It's it's impressive. I wonder how you, you know, might create some space in this offense and really give him a chance to catch the football and be, you know, lethal with it in his hands after the catch. Tyreek made some plays. Waddle made some plays. That's what you're used to seeing. You know, I tweeted about one deep shot to Waddle from Thompson where he just put this absolutely devastating move on Eli Apple to get him way behind the defense, but the pass sailed just out of his range. I saw the debate that maybe that ball was better than I thought it was uh, and that Waddle kind of slowed down, but either way, it didn't go complete. But the biggest part of that play to me was the, the double move that Waddle ran. He is... He is something else. Freddie Swain had a catch and run where he showed off the 4-4 speed, kind of curling back to the quarterback, and then Tua led him upfield, and it was kind of off to the races from there. And, uh, oh, yeah, orange jersey winner. I forgot about that. The running back, so let's finish up with these guys. Raheem Mostert was in the orange jersey. If I had to guess for tomorrow, I'm probably going to go David Long. If not him, Rob Hunt's my pick. But Raheem had some more shifty runs today. Man, he's so assignment-focused, and I have to imagine that's why he got the jersey because there wasn't like explosive plays in that practice. He did have that awesome wheel route touchdown in the back of the end zone. But I think just being so assignment sounds going to get him that orange jersey. More of that today. Miles Gaskin had his best day, including a block where 
or a run, I should say, where John Levitt led the way for something like 20 yards before a defender even touched him. He also had a run on one of those inside tosses where he kind of navigated his way through the, the crease and, and found a big lane that way. I thought A-Chain looked very good picking his way through some lanes today. And uh, just a good day from the running backs in the running game, kind of going back and forth with the defense in general. Let's go ahead and finish up here with Dolphins fullback Alec Ingold, who talked about putting the pads back on and how important it is for a fullback to have pads on in practice. Yeah, I mean, I think it anytime you can emulate football, a little bit more on the practice field. The speed, we practice fast without pads. I think any good team has to learn how to do that. Late in the season, you got to get good reps. So it's always good to set the tone that way. But when you get the pads on, definitely working on pad level, making sure guys are seeing fits, feeling it the right way. Um, all of that plays into having a successful preseason that can set you up for a good uh, regular season. All right, so there you go. That's the podcast today. Um... We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for another practice day number six out here, then off on Wednesday, and then back at it for three more days in the weekend, including a Saturday scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium. Very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow me on social, that's Twitter and IG, at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the fish tank guys, Seth and Juice. They also have a great podcast dropping here tomorrow. Today? Tomorrow? What day is it? It's Monday today. Tomorrow morning on Tuesday, AJ Francis, former Dolphin turned WWE star. That dude exudes superstar dumb, like in his personality. I had a chance to meet him for the first time, and he just he just reeks of superstar when you meet that guy. He is a big-time personality. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities. Zach Thomas's entire press conference, if you have not had a chance to see that, is up on the website. Of course, all the other guys that spoke today as well. Of course, uh, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content up there also. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron. Daddy's coming home.